Okay. Hello, this is Janet Gallen, welcoming you to Love Letters Live. And today's guest is Jana Barkin coming back because her last um, episode, we covered a lot, but we didn't cover everything. And actually, from what I understand now, covering everything would take months. But Jana, I just want to give it to you and let you say hello and introduce your book first off, because we didn't get to mention that last time. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me back. I feel so honored and and our time together. Yeah. And I am an author and my book is called He's Always Been My Son. And it's a mother's story, my story about raising my transgender son. And it was published in 2017 and was the number one bestseller in its category at the time. And it has gone on to support many, many people out there and it keeps showing up. I keep hearing, oh, I read your book or I saw your book. When you say it's gone on to support many people, by that you mean giving them information about being a mother on this journey that will help them? Is that how you mean it? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I think it has supported trans people themselves in hearing about other people's stories and the support that they received. It also has supported families with trans people, parents who perhaps want to hear uh, of another story. I think we learn so much by hearing each other's stories, just like the reason why you do this podcast. And and, uh, I found that that is where I learn best is hearing through stories. And so, and I think just in general, because it's written somewhat in memoir style, even though it is educational, uh, people who just like to read memoirs um, and, or just read other people's stories also find that they um, perhaps don't find support, but more like inspiration and education. Yes. So I want to point something out. You had said last time, which I was touched by and glad you said it, that anything you talk about regarding your child is with his permission. Yes. And, you know, I, in, in my life, I think as in, for many of us, we're put in a position of being asked to tell about somebody, something about somebody else. And I have found myself saying, that's not my story to tell. Yes. And so what you point out about getting permission before you talk about somebody else, I just want to kind of restate that because it was so nice. Yes. Thank you so much for bringing that through. And thankfully, my son does give us that permission. Um, He, I, I feel like he was just a person born to bring teaching Oh, yes. but he does not consider himself the teacher, right? But just through being alive, um, he offered a lot of teachings, let's say. Sure. Well, you know, can we get to a teaching right now? Let's I was do it. about you, a friend, a conversation with a friend, the question of pronouns came up. Yeah. You know, he, his, she, her. And yeah, I realized, you know, it's a very, maybe it isn't. It seems to me a very much more complicated issue when I was going to school, personal pronouns. And it was a simple matter of grammar. So we thought mm-hmm. it never really was. Mm-hmm. And now personal pronouns are so much more personal. Will you please talk about the choices we have and why it's important? Thank you so much. Yeah, I agree that when we were growing up, it was more taught as grammar rather than taught as words that express something about us 
to others, just and like yet, our and yet it always did. Yeah, and it did exactly, but we didn't really mm, dive into that side of it. So now there are new, or as we could call them, perhaps neo pronouns that have been added, and that came because people were feeling that the he or the she choices, so male or female, typically, uh, pronouns were not fitting for them. And folks may, mm, people who use other pronouns may have identities other than male or female. Okay, so talk, about, talk about that. Okay, so gender identity is the inner health sense of someone's self with regard to gender. And while many people do identify as their sex assigned at birth, so example me, I was born female, labeled female because I had certain parts and then that's always fit for me. So I am a person who is cisgender, same as I was born. And the she pronouns work for me. I never had any issue. My son was born assigned female at birth like me, but that never really felt right for him. And he is very male and he transitioned. He's a transgender person, trans meaning at a time it meant the opposite of how you were born. But now it it is an umbrella term, meaning anyone who doesn't identify as the sex they were assigned at birth might use the word transgender for themselves. But what about, okay, he, he, he yeah, is, we're he, getting there. We're getting there. So my, oh, sorry, okay. son, that's okay. My son is very binary in that he is a transgender person, but he identifies as male. Excuse me. Just what does binary mean? I'm getting there. Oh, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so he binary is a definition meaning two. So uh, binary could be black and white or male and female. There's two choices, binary. But in our world, there are there are many people who do not feel that they fit into one category or the other. So instead of thinking of gender as a binary, only male or female, we can think of gender as a spectrum, having many aspects. Some people fall in between male and female, some feel both. Some feel a combination, and there are all these words that we could use, but because we're talking about pronouns, what has developed over, I would say, the last 20 years or so um, are people who are choosing other pronouns that describe them better. And so that will be people who perhaps do not identify with the gender binary. Well, may I ask a question? Just to, you, you said some people do not identify male or female, but somewhere in between. What would that look like? What would that feel like? Well, I can't say how it would feel because that's not my held experience, but people describe a sense of feeling both male and female or a combination or a perhaps someone. So someone who feels both might describe themselves as bi-gender. Okay. Somebody who feels both, but not at the same time. They feel a fluid sense of gender. One morning they may wake up and feel a sense of, of maleness. And then another time in their day or life, they might feel more female. Those folks might describe themselves as gender fluid. Mm -hmm. 
but there's no one way to be this. So how it feels is very individual. However, the folks that do identify somewhere on this spectrum, not completely male, not completely female, and want to use different pronouns have adopted very commonly they and them as singular pronouns. And this is where we're getting to this piece that you started with, right? <clears throat> yes. And so they and them, while it can be tricky for those of us who are very focused on grammar as we learned it in our early years and you know kept at it for a long time with grammar guides and very specific, we used to use she or he or perhaps s slash he right. uh, or a lot of other awkward things. So we already use they, them as a singular. And here's an example. And I think we did this in the last one too, where perhaps we had a gathering and someone left a water bottle at my house. And I said, wow, this is such a great water bottle. And I wonder if the person is going to call me back. I wonder if they'll give me a call and let me know that it is theirs. And that sounds natural. Yeah. And I'm talking about one person, but something about when we talk about one specific person, that's where we start to get hung up. Uh, and I think part of it is our brains are still trying to categorize people as either male or female. And there is biological basis in that, obviously, for procreation. We kind of need to know who's the males and who's the females. At the same time, we also know that historically and uh, archaeologically, you know, anthropologically, people who fit in this non-binary, meaning they're not part of the binary in some way, this non-binary or expansive, gender expansive way, uh, feel better using a pronoun that does not describe them as male or female. So my next question then for that, I'm, I you know, thought about, first of all, I do want to ask and kind of say that because you and I, and however many other people, don't have the experience of feeling anything but strongly what we were assigned at birth. And by the way, the word cisgender has such a kind of a lovely music to it. I like that word. Oh, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, I think it is a good word. Yes, and I'm glad to know actually what it means. And yeah. thank you for defining that. You're welcome. So, so those of us who have no idea what that feels like, more than no idea what it feels like, can't even conceptualize that somebody else would have an idea what that feels like. Mm. I think- I, I'm. You say I'm guessing from talking to you that really the best we can do is take people's word for it mm. that they need to be referred to and identified in the way they choose, and it's it leads to some kind of hurt feelings if we don't talk about that because I think that is just so insightful and I love that you brought that through because yeah I think that before we can fully understand, we can still be respectful. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And so perhaps- Well, and we not just respectful, but accept it as a reality that we can't understand. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I think that, that, that the both of those are true, right? That if we, that we can be more respectful when we suspend our doubts and okay. accept that, yeah, there are people that feel this way that I may not ever be able to fully relate to, 
just as me as a white person really cannot fully relate to someone who ha is a person of color or uh, especially a black person in our uh, United States culture, right? Because these are just experiences I, while I can empathize, I cannot know what it is like to have that health experience. Um, I can empathize with people's pronouns being really important to them because my name is important. And as you know, if you just see J-A-N-N-A -N -N -A written mm -hmm. out, you might not know how to say it, but it really is hard for me when I hear my name misspoken. And that Everybody, doesn't bother me. It's just, yeah. we talked about yeah, this. It's like, like we talked about that too last time. If our uh -huh. names were confused, we'd be like, no, I'm Jana. She is Janet. And, and uh -huh. those, the other names don't fit. So it's similar for pronouns. And it is true that we're asking some people to perhaps change what they're used to. And I encourage people to just remember that if we are not hurt, if someone gets our name or pronoun wrong, well, then we're part of a um, fortunate, perhaps privileged is a word, group of people that we've never been marginalized because of that. I've but, never but what, been. It, what is the part that hurts feel? I mean, if somebody keeps calling oh. you the wrong name. Yeah. I think the part that hurts your feeling is they're not, they're not seeing you. They're not paying attention to you. You don't matter. That's right. Exactly. That, well, exactly. It really is. It's about recognizing that this person has value and that they're as is as is, and that their words are worthy of respect, but also it's, it's saying, I see you. I see and that there are many ways to be a human and I see and respect that. Okay. Thank you for that. Because I thank think it's you. hard to conceive of what would hurt feelings about that. But yeah. if you think about it, what wouldn't hurt their feelings really? Okay. I, yeah. Maybe and especially if someone is being misgendered and is non-binary and they're being called he or she, oh. those words can be very harmful because it can deepen this feeling of gender dysphoria yes. where it's, it's a microaggression that can turn into a bigger thing. So it's like a little mosquito bite. That then, you know, if you have four mosquito bites on top of each other, it starts to get really hot and fiery. And then, you know, it's harder uh, to but get also up. if if you refuse, if you don't do that, mm -hmm. um, it is, it seems to me, it is a way of saying, I'm not only accepting you, I'm not now, I'm not accepting you for who you are. And I'm not even going to let you accept you for who you are. Especially when we question. Right a pronoun we may not be familiar with. Yes. Right. Because I think it's easier, you know, my son uses he, him. So it wasn't a challenge. It, it might've been challenging for people to change, but when they see my son, they read him. The assumption is correct, right? When I see you in the world, my assumption probably is correct that you are female. However, I know a woman who was assumed, she was told, she's a 70-year-old she's a maybe, and she was told, oh, you know, you look like someone. And she said, oh, who's that? And he said, John Denver. And she said, John Denver, well, by the way, women of a certain age definitely do not want to be told that they look like a man. 
Really? That's what she felt. You know, she doesn't want to be told that she looks like a man. And the person was like, oh, well, I mean, he's a nice looking man. And she said, no, you're missing my point. You know, and so it is a similar, it's different, but it is similar. We don't want to be put in categories that don't fit for us. Okay. So the lesson here is listen to what you're hearing. Yeah. And and even if you don't know, uh-huh. this is a, an often asked question and it's, well, what if I don't know? What if I see someone and I'm not really sure what their pronouns are? What should I do? So the suggestion would be like, you can see here, and I don't know if your audience will see, but on my name, I also put my pronouns. Right. And that gives people the chance to know my pronouns and also gives other people a chance to tell me their pronouns. So if someone who is sensitive to pronouns sees, oh, he has her pronouns there, I can do that too. He's a person that understands that pronouns are important. I can also let her know, oh, by the way, Jana, my pronouns are they, them. Great. Now I know that. So it is tricky. I wouldn't ask someone unless I offered mine first. So if I see someone and I want to talk about them and I don't know anything about them, I might say, hey, nice to meet you. My name's Jana. She, her pronouns. Uh Okay. So not many people are really aware to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's becoming more common. It's certainly more common. Like if you go to college these days, many colleges, people are just introducing themselves. Okay. So now you're talking about generational differences. Yeah. Yeah. And the time will come when all this will be so natural, of course. I hope so. You know, it's been, uh, it's been a while already. And I think Longer for you because you've been aware of it for longer. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been doing the work for seven or eight years being in the community. And I would say that in that time, the use of they, them pronouns has become much more uh, in in the world, you know, just much more. If if you don't know and you've met somebody, say, at an event or a party and you're curious, Mm -hmm. I would think for me personally. You just business as usual. You talk about whatever you talk about. Mm-hmm. And if it comes up in conversation somehow that it's important for that person to know, yeah, you know more of it, they'll offer it. They will. You're it's not true. under any kind of an obligation to know absolutely everybody's intimate detail. That's right. right. That's okay, right. I, but I, if, yeah. But if you do think that you're going to be in a regular Yes. environment with someone and you can't find out like maybe it's not in their email and you you could do what I suggested which is hey I just want to make sure I'm getting your pronouns right mine or uh, mine or she her oh, that's lovely that's yeah. that's wonderful yeah okay. that can help so yeah. I have a question about I read your exercises and you know that I am very much intrigued and fascinated with the power of letters. Oh, the yeah. power of love letters. Mm, and yeah. we, we have a few minutes here and I, I will ask you to go through your exercises, but can we kind of focus on the last one, mm-hmm. which is to write a letter to someone. You say what it is, because then I want to extend yeah. that. So you would write a letter to the person in your life or you're you're writing to someone else because you're using the person's pronouns. Right. So you want to work that into the communication. 
Yes. So, so perhaps step that, go ahead. Yeah. So perhaps I'm writing to my mom and I'm talking about my son and I'm writing and I'm saying, Hey, you know, Amaya and I went on such a great trip. We had so much fun and he loved going to the aquarium and he okay. loved doing this so that I really, the idea is that we learn in different ways and kinesthetic writing can be such a helpful way to switch up our brains. And especially if someone wants to get really creative and use their non-dominant hand, uh-huh. yeah, I do. I do that, that will cross our corpus callosum and make for yeah. really wonderful learning. Yes. And your brain has to make new patterns when you use your non-dominant. And so when people tell me, you know, I really do have the best of intentions. I really want to get my grandchild's pronouns right. But every time I see them, I just mess up. I oh, say, you well, said them. Yeah, I said them because I don't know, right, you know, right. like who it is they're talking about. So, but perhaps it is that the grandparent has a grandchild that uses they them pronouns. And so, you know, some people learn through repetition. So you can write a sentence about this grandchild. Uh, let's use the name Amaya. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amaya uses he pronouns. Mm-hmm. Shayla, Amaya's partner, uses they them pronouns. And we would just write it over and over and over. Okay, so that's better. a way for you to get educated on it and get used. So you're talking about essentially writing a letter about someone. About. And thank you for that distinction. I might need to change the wording on the handout a little bit so that, yes, you'll be writing about this person and you may or may not share it with anyone, but it's really the idea of helping your brain. And I think, like you said, when we write letters, there's something very personal and special about that, especially nowadays. And so perhaps that in and of itself is making the pronoun use more more important to the person and also more meaningful for the person. But, but also you talk about handwriting and I, I've, I've known this for years. I mean, I've read about it for years. Um, I, I, it, it feels true and I hope it is that for students who take notes by hand, college students who take notes by hand rather than compute laptop, mm-hmm. they learn the material so much better. There is something mm-hmm. about the handwriting and the link. To, okay. But yeah. I, I have that's what question. I wonder. And I think that's true. I still handwrite notes. It's just the way I learn. Yeah. I but I, I have another thought when I read your lovely exercises, what I was thinking on that last one is writing a letter to yourself in your, when you land as the gender you are meant to be mm-hmm. and just writing letters to yourself is really powerful. Mm. And would that be, I don't know what goes into the procedure, the process of uh, finding yourself in the right gender that you're meant to be, but wouldn't that be wonderful, I think, to yes. have writing a letter to yourself? Yes. And Either see how that feels. Pre-process, pre-surgery, afterwards, as a part of the process. I absolutely love it. I'm glad. I also think it could be helpful for parents on the journey, you know, like, but I love that idea also because when people are in 
their process of transition or finding congruence is another like word. That. Yeah. Okay. Um, because we're all looking for congruence in our life. Uh, you know, what haircut worked for you then doesn't work for you now, et cetera. <laughs> yes. There's and, a lot and of that, that it reminds us that it might not be surgical. There's so many ways uh, pronouns are an important way of finding congruence. And I love this idea of if someone writes to themselves yes, and they read it, Oh, good oh, point. There may be a resonance or not with that, yep. that they're using the new name or the pronoun. They can try it on by writing a letter to themselves. I love that. Okay. So I'm glad you do, because I have another little thing to say about that in the world of writing love letters. And I really do encourage people to write to themselves, but I don't know what your perception of a love letter is. Mine, it's got to be mailed and stuck in a mailbox. It's got to be delivered. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as journaling or taking notes. It's a real letter. Yes. It's, you write it to yourself. And by the way, you address it to the name that you are going to use. I mean, that's you see, right. Maya has kept his name. Yes. But that's however okay. it goes. Right. So that's you affirming as well to write it, you know, address it to yourself. Yes. When it shows up in the mail, and by the way, putting some thought into these letters and including specifics about you in these letters, you know, how brave you were when you went into that doctor's office the first time you did, whatever it is. Yes. Or when you told your parent. Right. Uh, and you, when you invited per- people into this very personal part of your life. Right. I was so proud of you. I didn't even know you could do however people want to. Explain. But then my experience is, that when you write a letter to yourself, it shows up in the mail with your handwriting in the envelope and you read it, the you who reads it is very different from the you who wrote it. It yes. really feels like a letter. Yes. It feel like some little notes you've scribbled about yourself. Mm-hmm. Which is so different than a journal. There's like this official receiver feeling right, that right. you get when you get something in the mail. I also, just when you get something in the mail like that. I mean, you know, decorate the envelope, put hearts and birds and flat, whatever you like. You know, we have this problem now in society called junk mail. Yeah. And it's it's not so often that you get some beautiful handwritten envelope addressed. The whole thing's thrilling. Okay. I just yeah. absolutely love it. And I'm like swelling with emotion from it because I just love when these conversations turn into these collaborations, right? You offering me this idea. I can't wait to bring this to some folks I know that are in this process. Yes. I think it'd be lovely addition. Okay. Oh, thank you so much for coming back and elaborating. Thank you. Yes. It's just, I learn so much when I talk to you. And, you know, sometimes you think you know a lot and then you talk to somebody and I realized, no, I didn't know very much at all. So thank you, dear. Same, same. And and by the way, anytime that you want to come back, if there's some other, um, you know, world that you want to talk about and help thank us out you. and understanding, will you just let me know? Love it. I love it. The next book is focused more on grandparents who have transgender grandchildren. Oh, oh, so I think that would that. be- Fabuloso. Yes, because yeah. that's a, a real generational, you know, difficult, isn't it? I mean, I remember, oh gosh, you know, just getting used to same gender couples in life, but yeah. I, I'm talking like 40 years ago. That's right. And I remember my mother came to visit when my mother would be like, what, 100 and whatever today. Mm. 
we were driving in San Francisco and there was a, a couple, two guys, and, and this was a long time ago, you, anyway, um, on the street corner and they were embracing and kissing. And my mother kind of does a double take because she looks thoughtful for a minute. Yeah. She said, oh, she said, well, I guess it's nice to see people who like each other. Oh, see? Right. That says a lot about your mom. It does. Able to see that past any apprehension or doubts or all of those things. She didn't have any of those. But she may not have known that unless she had seen this couple. And anyway, yes. But so generational differences. Oh, because you hear terrible things about, oh, yes, grandparents and parents, uh, you know, ejecting. Okay, let's talk about grandparents. Another Uh, time we absolutely will. Well, anytime you have something to say, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Dear, and I'm so glad we talk about, I got to talk about the letter component. Me too. And thank you so much for bringing that through. It really is inspiring me. I'm delighted. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye. Take good care. You too. Bye-bye.